welcome to this edition of The Little Breakfast. And we've had a little bit of a break, um, maybe eating a bit too much turkey and stuff like that. <laughs> and a Christmas uh, furlough, as you like. I mean, that word furlough, hardly anyone used that word. It was all about people coming back for mission. But now it's all everywhere, isn't it? I'm even yeah. in this intro. So um, I'm very pleased to say we've got Matt Oliver here with us today and we're on camera as well. Um, it, both looking uh, like we're in the middle of the winter. So uh, <laughs> welcome, how are you? I'm good, thanks Clive, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. We're all uh, sort of inside a bit more, aren't we? And getting out, venturing yeah. out now and again. But uh, you're, you're in lockdown working from home, I take it? Yeah, I'm sat in the loft at the minute. Uh, my kids are downstairs, uh, homeschool, homeschool in the dining room. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a juggle, isn't it? I mean, who would have thought a bit of homeschooling, a bit of work from home and everything yeah. else chucked in? So uh, welcome to this episode. We're going to be talking about why discipleship matters. And uh, before we get to the main course, as it were, I'm just going to ask you a little bit about, uh, as I do with others, um, a bit about breakfast. And just to remind those people, if you haven't been watching before or you haven't been listening, because largely it's been listening, is that we normally gather for a big breakfast uh, in those days when we can actually do that kind of thing and eat together, have a talk, uh, have a Q&A and discuss um, things that relate to culture and the Bible and the Christian faith. And so to begin with, I'm going to ask you, Matt, what does your average breakfast look like what does a northeast man like you eat for breakfast each day <laughs> probably not a very stereotypical northeast breakfast when you put it that way so i would usually have i'd usually have weetabix i probably have three weetabix a pint of water and a cup of three weetabix a pint of water and a cup of coffee and that's about it i tell you what you you're in good company with uh, kevin van hooser he's a weetabix fan who, who knew no, that? yeah See, that's a little, that's something we've learned from the Little Breakfast podcast. If nothing else, <laughs> Kevin Van Hoosen and Matt eat Weetabix. There we go. So that must be what fuels that theological mind. Um, so what would be your nightmare breakfast? So I thought about this and I think there's not many things I don't like. So I think my nightmare breakfast would actually, there'd be, there'd be nothing for breakfast. I think would probably be the worst <laughs> breakfast. Um, yeah, I, I like to be able to get up and have breakfast and, and so crack on with the day. So they've got like a stomach of steel. That's your northeast genes. You could just probably eat anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. The, the the worst thing would be having nothing. That's a. I mean, that's a fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough thing. It's probably a, re a real kind of you know nightmare that is. Um, what would be <laughs> your dream breakfast if you could have anything you wanted, and what would be your ultimate dream? I I, I, love, I love a full English breakfast, so I think if and if I could manage it, if I was feeling hungry enough, I'd have it. So I had cereal and a full English and pancakes after. So it's almost like a three course breakfast, but yeah. I'd have to be hungry to eat it all. <laughs> like like a, I mean, you must like it if you go to a hotel and you get a total that buffet thing where you're just like, oh, just yeah. I just uh, I, I remember going to a conference once actually in, in South Africa and. Um, Every day it was like there was this banquet breakfast, and the first day, right. I was like, oh yeah, I'll have that. And then by day three, I was like, oh, I really shouldn't be. Uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. just have scrambled egg on toast or something. But because it was all there, you know, it's hard to resist, yeah. isn't it? It is. I definitely. There's something in that might pick up on that. Um, okay, so tell us a bit about yourself, those people that are watching or listening on the podcast. Just tell us a bit about your life and maybe, I don't know, how, how you came to know Jesus. Um, you're involved in ministry right now. What does life look like for you in lockdown? Have you got a family? Yeah, yeah. so I'm married. Uh, Nancy and I have been married for 10 years, just over. Um, we've got three kids. Uh, Annie's nine, Caris is seven, Asher's five. Uh, so they're all, well, they're on a break at the minute from homeschool. I can hear them running around outside. Yeah, so um, yeah, so we uh, live in Stockton on Tees, which is in northeast of England. Uh, we've been here for the last five years, just over. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. My parents were involved in a church in uh, Sunderland, and that's where I grew up, really. Uh, the church started in my parents' house, so I, I literally was at church from being from being tiny because it was downstairs while I was asleep upstairs. Um, 
so yeah, we we me and my sister we grew up in in that background. I think I I became a Christian roughly thirteen. Really, I think God brought me to the point where I realised, uh, and He showed me that my parents being Christians and me being a nice kid and me knowing a lot of Bible stories and being able to give the right answers to a whole bunch of questions wasn't wasn't what made me a Christian. Really, that didn't that didn't change anything. That. Um, might have been good stuff to have and good stuff to know, uh, but actually, I needed I needed saving. I needed Jesus to forgive me. Uh, I needed to to have a relationship with Him, as yeah. opposed to just a a good heritage or a good background and a, and a, a bunch of knowledge about the Bible. So, uh, I would say about thirteen, I became a Christian, um, and then. I went to uni, I was involved in Christian union work, and I think we'll probably get onto that later. Uh, I was involved in that as a student, and then uh, beyond that as a, a relay worker and a staff worker. Uh, and I spent three years in Doncaster as an assistant pastor at a church there, part-time, and then came to came to Stockton September 2015, uh, pastoring a church here in Hardwick, which is going to be deprived community on the north side of, of uh, Stockton. Yeah. Okay, we had a little bit of a lockdown Wi-Fi delay on that last bit, but we got it all. It's just uh, your your mouth was moving. Okay. And it's, <laughs> no, we we got it. So <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. In, yeah. So you're in the northeast at Hardwick Baptist Churches, where you serve as a pastor now. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. life has been a little bit challenging being a fellow pastor with churches opening, churches shutting. Um, yeah, but it was interesting when you, when you said that you, your parents had a home church, and it made me think, oh, <laughs> here we are now. You know, we're we're all in lockdown. We're kind of been broadcasting from home or broadcasting from church. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of stuff to think about, and we're gonna we'll probably unpack some of that stuff as we go through. Uh, we, we're specifically talking today about discipleship, and this is an area that I think. Well, it's always been important. And when we're told to make, you know, be a disciple who makes disciples of all nations, uh, but it's it looks different, doesn't it? And it feels different in lockdown and, and different generations and different cultures. Um, but I just wondered as a start for 10, you know, I, I mean, in a way, it's quite a big question, but I think it's an important question to ask is, and it's a question I've been thinking about now for nearly two years, actually, is hey. how do we... What is a disciple? You know, how do we describe what a disciple is? Yeah, no, it's a good question because a lot, a lot of the time people ask the question, "What is a Christian?" Or they ask, you know, or, or they they would say they're a Christian, and um, often it's because you know they've, they've been brought up in a church or they were baptized as a kid. They've never set foot in a church since, but you know, that that gives them kind of that connection. They'd fill that in on the census form. Um, but to to be a disciple really means to follow Jesus, to be a follower of of Jesus, um, not just attending church, not even just being involved in the, the life of a church, really, but specifically uh, following Jesus. Um, and yes, there are, there are things that that involves in terms of belief, um, but it's 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 really it's it's following Him, knowing Him, uh, having God as God as Father, and uh, having. Uh, the Holy Spirit living in you to to change you, then to be more like Jesus. So, um, I would say that's again, like you say, it's a massive question. We could probably spend the whole time talking about you know what yeah. the Bible says about uh, the definition yeah. of a disciple. But I would say that's probably the yeah the, the, the gist of it. I'm unpacking that a bit, and that's really helpful in terms of. I mean, essentially, it is about knowing Jesus through the Father and the Spirit and following Jesus. And obviously, we'll unpack a bit of what that looks like as we go through that, because it's it's, it's obviously a lot more nuances. Um, but I guess one of the challenges as to why I've maybe not thought as much about what discipleship looks like, and maybe others haven't, is because within certainly the evangelical church within the UK, there's been a focus probably over the last 50 years on on coming to know Jesus, on, on being converted, yeah. you know, on being born again, being converted. And it's a little bit like, I wonder whether we've sort of lost some of the emphasis on 
actually, you know, it's about being a follower of Jesus who dies to self, who comes alive in Christ, who has this massive transformation in life, you know, new creation, mm. and therefore lives a different way, not because you're more moralistic, not because you want to be a better person per se, but because of that central transformation that's taking place with Christ. And, I mean, I don't know what your experience is of that, as you think we kind of lost something in terms of, understanding discipleship because of just focusing on being converted as it were yeah maybe i think i think there probably has been that that emphasis i wonder whether some of it is we maybe we just expect people to almost know what it means automatically yeah right you become a christian you tell people to read the bible and pray and go to church and that's that's it that's what it that's it you're done really as yeah. opposed to think practically, what does this look like? Um, and, yeah, whether it's it's more than just just attending a, a meeting on a Sunday and a meeting on a midweek maybe and, yeah. you know, having a, a Bible reading notes that you work through. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's a, that's a real a real challenge. I think there's a lot of people who haven't thought about that. And so you've got a lot of people who are Christians and maybe they've been Christians for decades um, but yeah. have never, never really been discipled. Never had somebody spend a lot of time with them, working through the Bible with them, asking them good questions, uh, really investing in them. Um, and and I think it's because it takes time, doesn't it? It's hard work. It takes it's a long it's a long haul thing. It, there's not a quick fix yeah. uh, to do that. It takes it takes real perseverance, I guess, to do that well. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I mean, you just sparked a thought in my mind. Is that one of the things that that I think has come up in in lockdown is because you we've been so limited in what we can do you know we, we have the church service to which we all go to it's, it's kind of like the celebration it's the gathering it's totally important it's where we yeah. connect with the body and we know the presence yeah but i think when you take that i'm wondering you know is there a new challenge in discipleship it's like have we put all the eggs in the basket or too many eggs in the basket of the service as it were and not kind of walking with God and walking with people. And one of the literal metaphors, I guess, for that is that I found myself you know, walking more, walking with God, praying, and walking with others, you know? And I'm yeah. if that's a good picture of discipleship, is that we walk and talk with God and we walk and talk with others about Jesus and and hear what yeah. they can say. And as you say, that's not a that takes time and effort and it's not a quick fix is it it's it's a long journey you know yeah yeah most definitely i mean i think there's a i'm trying to think the ways the ways i've either been discipled discipled other people and a lot of them are that it's about consistency over over time isn't it so some of it's been in small groups um we had like as a kid that was we was involved we had like a youth nurture group we we used to meet and we'd have a bible study separate for for the young people and that was good for discipleship as a kid yeah um which was which was helpful but again, it was once a week so which is which is fine it's better than better than nothing in it but um i think a lot of discipleship happens after that or it should happen outside of that a bit more organically in conversations people being willing to ask you challenging questions so i remember as a both as a staff and a relay worker with uccf having people who would meet with me again, usually weekly, but those would involve, it wouldn't just be right. Let's open the Bible, read a passage, pray, go home. There would be more to it. We'd be discussing it. We'd be asking each other questions about it. Um, you know, and, and, and you were, you were effectively, I mean, this is a phrase that gets bandied about, doesn't it? But it, I, I guess we, we probably know what it means when we say it. it we, giving permission people to ask us questions, tough questions about life and how we're, how are we, what with God is how you know where our struggles with sin are, where we're finding joy, where we're frustrated, getting to the bottom of of, of how life is really as a Christian and where where it's difficult. So yeah, I think that that regular structured discipleship is is really helpful. I think when it's completely ad hoc and there's no plan, it's not so good. Um, I know there needs to be some organicness to it. There needs to be some just oh you know you ring your mate up and say do you want to go for a walk and a chat? Great. Yeah spontaneously yep. sometimes if that's all there is often things never really get beyond the 
superficial do they so yeah yeah no i that's a really that's a really good point um because i was just thinking back to uh areas of discipleship that i've been involved in with the students back um over the years I and mean, we both worked for uccf the christian union for years and that's a big part of the bread and butter of what we did was yeah. meeting up with students um I, yeah. I guess i was just thinking when you said that 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 can be both good and bad depending on why we're doing that and how we're doing that so my experience of that is that i met with some young lads who were students who amazingly by the god uh, by god's grace some of them are even in our church now and married with kids and and that's a real blessing to see them going on with the lord but sadly there are there are guys as well who you know you could work through the book of james it could give you all the answers and all the right you know answers to the yeah. questions that you, you ask or they ask and and they've drifted away from the lord and and, and i yeah. think probably when i look back on that as somebody who's discipled say students as an example yeah that i suppose the danger is is, is it if it becomes mechanic sort of mechanical yeah going back to what ellis potter was saying on a previous podcast and what my yoda figure in life has said to me many times is that you know meaning is found in relationship and ultimately you know we've we've got to have relationship with people we've got to love them as god loves us and them too and yeah. again if you're just meeting up with somebody and you're ticking the box right i've done i mean what we called one-to-ones and used to say oh, i've done yeah. It's like competition between staff workers. I've done 50 one-to-ones <laughs> this week. I'm right. I don't know anything about anyone's life, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean? So, so there's something about relationship there, isn't there? Do you, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, almost definitely. So I think it, it massively matters. I mean, there's, again, there's no, there's no silver bullet to it. There'll be people you invest in who, who walk away sadly. And that, that's always the heartbreaking thing really in any kind of ministry is, you know, invest that time, you build that relationship and something happens and, you know, it, it all seems to, you look back and think, was that all wasted time? And I don't think it's ever wasted time. So then God, in God's economy, he uses it for for his glory and for our good or the good of his people. But, but yeah, relationship is massively key to that, I think. Um, otherwise, yeah, it can just become mechanical. You tick a box, you're done. It, it, it's it's over, it's finished. Um one of the things that my wife is really good at here, actually, in terms of discipling ladies, as she juggles the many things, <laughs> many things she's involved in. Um, I mean, it's been harder at the minute because of lockdown, and, and, and obviously our kids are at home. But um, she just she's great at just taking people with her when she does things. So if there's somebody she knows needs, you know, a bit of help, bit of encouragement, needs a chat, she'll just be like, "Look, I'm walking to school to pick the kids up at three o'clock. Do you want to walk with me?" They'll yeah. walk and talk as they go there. They'll walk and talk on the way back. Uh, we've, again, not in lockdown, not since last March, but we often have a lot of people in our house, in and out of our house for meals or chats on an evening or various different things. And they just, in lots of times, they ju- they're just involved in what we're doing as a family, particularly if the kids are still yeah. up. Um, yeah. And so it's just that relationship building. You, and the, the, those conversations happen as people are more comfortable with, you know, the relationship, the friendship that's deepened. So as well as having those kind of things of, right, well, I'll meet you at Friday at one o'clock and we'll study the Bible and we'll pray for 90 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Just having those, oh, yeah, come for a walk with me. Oh, let's grab breakfast tomorrow on the way to wherever. Yeah. Um, being the breakfast podcast, that's quite relevant too. Um, <laughs> you know, just those things, those natural things, you're just involving people in what you do day to day. It makes a massive difference, I think. Yeah, yeah. And being in and around your kids, yeah. <laughs> the ambience of your kids. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I, I, and I think there needs to be that's just that flexibility because you're right on the one side, you said it's helpful if you plan it. Because I, I I think I agree, you know, that, that if I'm meeting up with people, you've got to say, you know, can you meet? When can you meet? Oh, it's two weeks on Wednesday. That's fine, you know. But I, and I guess I guess it's a balance of that stuff as well, isn't it? Because if it's all like, as you, you know, I, I know a lot of guys like to go on a bike ride, go on a walk, you know, play sport, uh, get a chat while you're doing that. But equally, so if it's all that and there's no chat about, you know, who is God or what's going on in your life or what are you reading, what you're thinking, 
Um, but equally, if it's all sort of like, right, we're doing this kind of really yeah. Bible study, but I don't know how you're getting on with your wife or I don't know how your kids yeah. are doing or I don't know how your work is because, but at least we've studied, you know, um, all of Romans now, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's got to be that mix, isn't it? Of, yeah. And, and also it's some, with some people, you, you're not going to sort of just get straight to kind of doing a study and um, depending on where you are, where you live and the circumstances of the people, I guess, I guess at, at the heart of it is, is, as you said, is about following Jesus and, like one quote I read from Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. And I, I right. think, you know, what he's getting obviously is that, that, that centrality of Christ, isn't it? In, yeah. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you, you've got to actually help others follow Jesus and, and focus yeah. people on Jesus. Um, yeah. Whether you're walking up a hill or sitting in a coffee shop, well, you used to. <laughs> um, yeah reading the bible with somebody you know yeah and, and i think it's i think it's because discipleship needs to be day by day i think there's a you know we've we've touched on quite a few of the dangers isn't there of you know we if it's all if it's all planned then it can become a bit you know mechanical if it's all spontaneous it can be you know weeks apart before you chat to somebody again and a lot lot can happen in in that length of time and i think particularly where we are there's you, you meet people and within a week all sorts of things can have changed um so even just meeting once a week sometimes doesn't feel like enough um but but i think it's a day-to-day thing isn't it following jesus is an everyday thing um and so there needs to be all of that and i wonder whether some of the challenge going back to what you asked the question earlier about maybe the church losing an emphasis on discipleship because the emphasis is on conversion I, i wonder whether the issue is that discipleship's almost been seen as well the leaders do discipleship so, you know, the pastor will disciple some people or, you know, maybe some people in key leadership roles will disciple some people and, and that'll be it. Yeah. But the reality is, even if your church is 20 or 30 people, that's just not possible for the leaders to do that, to do it properly yeah. and well. Discipleship yeah. needs to be, everybody needs to be involved in it. You yeah. know, from the, from the, the really the, the youngest Christian to the oldest Christian needs to be involved in discipleship in some way. And I think some of it maybe needs to be encouraging people that they can do that yeah uh, i think i think there's probably a lot of people i know who would say well i can't i can't read the bible with somebody i don't know enough about it or mm. i'm I just I, i'm not sure i could teach them anything i don't feel very well you know qualified or thought through yeah, or, yeah. And actually the reality is you can sit together as two christians and open the bible read a passage and, and discuss it with some either very simple questions or simply come at it and just ask the you know what what do you think that's teaching you um, yeah. And with the help of the spirit and, and through prayer together, that can be really beneficial, whether you've got, you know, six degrees or you've got one GCSE or whether you've been a Christian for six weeks or 60 years, there's, there's benefit in that if people are willing to actually yeah. know, give it a go, really. So. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I also wonder, Matt, whether there's a step before that, which we're seeing some fruit of right now, which is... Um, who are you actually connecting with in yeah. church aside of a Sunday service? So is there anybody that you're actually even going for a walk with? Is there somebody that you're meeting up for a coffee with? Are there people that you are texting in the week outside of the Sunday? You know, yeah. And I, I spent a lot of time in UCCF, as you know, talking about actually what it means to be human, what shape it's yeah. in terms of uh, being made in the image of God and the importance of relationship. And yeah. I think one of the things that I think we've seen fruit in is that people are meeting up with others more. And I think it's kind of like, as you go, you know, so as you go for that walk, as you go for that bike ride, you know, be talking about Jesus and be talking about how you're getting on and how your life is. And I, I, you know, there's a lot of negative talk about, Oh, you know, we can't meet at church. We can't do this. I'm not talking about just where we are. I'm talking about, you know, nationally, globally, but actually, is God doing something regarding saying, I'm building stronger relationships with each of you, mm. a stronger foundation, um, yeah. that the church actually looks bigger than Sunday gathering? I mean, the Sunday gathering yeah. is important. We're never going to get rid of that. Um, but it's more than that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think we've seen we've seen some of that really in in, in the last 10 months or so. I think... 
we were just aware that there was a number of people in our church who live alone. And so in the first lockdown, we're going to have very little contact with other human beings. You know I mean, lots of people shielding. Um, and so we were, we were aware that we wanted to make sure people felt connected in. So we tried to make sure that those were people who were prioritized in terms of phone calls. And we set up WhatsApp groups for people to message each other and, uh, just encourage people to like write letters, which sounds like a very old-fashioned thing to do. Yeah. But we've got some really good, faithful kind of letter-writing people in our church. They, they do it anyway. They send cards to people quite regularly. But this yeah. was kind of their. It kind of brought to the front their their kind of yeah, well, their skill set really, their their desire yeah. to do that. So and encouraged other people to do it as well. So I think we ended up with <clears throat> had somebody in church ring me and say, oh. I got this letter and a lovely gift from so-and-so. And I don't think I've really ever had a chance to speak to them on a Sunday before. And so it was lovely to see connections being made where previously they just might not have happened. Yeah. Because these people either tend to sit quite far apart in church or they just have very little in common because yeah. of age and stage of life and all those kind of things. And yet connecting through the post and a, and a small gift and a card you know, just to let them know they were praying for them and thinking of them, which was which was which was lovely. And I, I think you're right. I think that has been a, a benefit. As much as then people have still struggled with lack of human contact and you know, lack of just being able to go out a bit more and see people and go to coffee shops and all those things. I think it, it has been good for building some connections. And I hope, I guess like you, that well people f- find out of this, particularly in the churches, that we do desperately need fellowship with other Christians. Yeah. And, and when that, when we, what maybe we took it for granted before, and so we could just say, oh, well, I know it'll come, it'll be fine. When it's been sucked away, you mm. all of a sudden go, all right, I, I realize how much I need this. And I maybe need to be more, um, just more specific, more deliberate in it in the future, because yeah. I know how yeah. much I've, I've missed it for the last 10 months. No, I think you're absolutely right on that front. And you'll know as a pastor, and I know, I know that we have a bit more of an overview of what's going on in the life of the church. So I'm not saying we would know absolutely every need or every yeah. sort of position on things, but I guess we can forget as pastors that other people are not necessarily kind of knowing one another as well. And, yeah. I, th- and, I, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a pastor or you're a member of a church, something really little like sending a letter or sending a text message or dropping off a bar of chocolate or someone goes a massive way to building fellowship in the life of a church doesn't it because the reality is many of us can feel like isolated or can feel that oh everyone else is meeting up and everyone else is kind of getting to know each other and growing in their faith when I think the reality is is that most people aren't and and actually, we do need to, in more of a loving way, just do small, small acts of kindness towards one another, yeah. don't we? And bless one another as a way that, that yeah, helps. that massively helps. You're right, and I think so. There's a few, a few phone calls I've made. I've tried to kind of have blocks of the week where I've tried to make phone calls to people who might be alone. And, and again, not perfect. I'm sure there's more that more that could be done. But some of those phone calls are only five minutes long. But I think that. It just people just appreciate hearing hearing another voice, particularly when they live alone. And yeah. it's not that there's a lot to talk about. We maybe read something very short and I'll pray for them, but they just it breaks the just the, the monotony of being in the in the house on your own for yeah. you know, twenty-four hours, seven days a week. Um and so that again, like you say, it's it doesn't sound like much a five minute phone call once a week, but it 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 really can be a huge lifeline, I think, sometimes to people more than we realize. Yeah, and you and you might do that on a day, or somebody else might do that. Somebody else on a day that somebody really just needs that, you know, uh, yeah. in terms of what that's about. I think one of the one of the sort of drivers, if you like, for being a disciple that disciples others. I found a really helpful quote from Jay Bridges that says, "We believers do need to be challenged to a life of committed discipleship, but that challenge needs to be based on the gospel, not on duty or guilt." duty or guilt yeah. may motivate us for a while but only a sense of christ's love for us will motivate us for a lifetime and i think that kind yeah. of that that links into what we're just talking about i mean what i wouldn't want people to think is um do these things that we're encouraging out of duty or guilt 
Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it needs to be from a kind of being rooted in, in the goodness of the gospel, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Duty and guilt are they're terrible motivators, like that quote says, really. It, they, they might last a while, but in the end, you know, yeah, they're just they're just they're not good as as motivators. Ultimately, the motivation of the love of Christ and what He has called us to as a people, as His church, is is where, yeah, in the gospel is is what we need for the for long term discipleship. Otherwise, we'll give up very quickly. Well, you touched on it a bit earlier, Matt, um, about it, discipling students over the years. What what was your? Can you just sort of? Flesh out a bit more. What was your experience of discipling students? Anything that we you can learn from that, both you know, for and against? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of specific examples that I could give off the top of my head, um, or, or from from th- There's a lot over five. I mean, I was with UCCF for five years as a staff worker. I can't remember how long you worked for them for, but. You, you you see a lot of people in that time, don't you? Because the turnover of students yeah, is so regular. Yeah. In comparison to the church, the turnover of students is just really fast. Whereas in the church, you've got the same people usually for much longer period of time. Um, great value in it. I think there were there were there were students who learnt and grew a lot. You know, first time away from home, everything changes. There's a lot of pressures and challenges, and being able to read the Bible with somebody for you know, an hour a week and pray with them, I think has a, has a massive impact. And, and wonderfully, like you said earlier, you know, the people you've met with who, you know, are still either involved in the church you're now in, or you know that they're going on to do other stuff um, in other places, following, following Jesus uh, and doing, you know, doing great by the grace of God. Um, yeah, I think, I think one of the challenges with students is, and particularly now, I mean, I, I don't know how it would have been to be a staff worker in, in, in this year, in this last year, um, with, with very little opportunity really to meet students in that way. Um, but I think, yeah, I just think being, being really bold with that and, 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 and asking questions and kind of getting people to stick to it and really commit to it was, was, was helpful, um, you know, I said this to students quite often, but uh, you know, I know as a student, I didn't believe this either. But um, <laughs> you, you've got more time as a student than you generally have many other many other times of your life in terms yeah. of the pressures and things you've got. And, and yes, don't be wrong; it's hard for students. And if you're on a particular course that has massive amounts of labs and lectures and placements, then yeah, you, you, you will have less time. But for the vast majority, there is if there's yeah. a bit of discipline and. and um, you have a bit of a timetable or structure to your week. You you can fit a lot in. You can meet you can meet and study the Bible with people. You can meet and study the Bible with other people as well if you want and take a lead in that. You can be involved in a local church and you know commit to seeking to reach the campus with the gospel. So, um, yeah, I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It had highs and lows. There were times when you know students would tell you things that you think, oh wow, that's you know through the relationship massively challenging they would confess you know quite deep things to you and that was good and you were able to work through that there were other times where you probably knew there was stuff going on but you couldn't be sure that that was happening and you know gradually students they'd drift away from say you or they'd drift away from church and mm. and that was always always a, a, a struggle um yeah yeah, I, yeah. So what I you're probably saying, should have thought about some more specifics, but I think it's helpful <laughs> reminder that um, there are some times in life, particularly being a student and working with students, that are more seasonal, that, you know, the turnover is quicker. You know, in England, it's a three-year degree. In Scotland, it's four years. It's a short amount of time, relatively. And, and I think that there's a different kind of way of discipling people in that when you have less mm. time with people. Yeah. Obviously now, so that gives us a nice sort of link into now you're a pastor in a church and that's that turnover isn't the same. You know, what, what does it look like to sort of disciple? What does it look like to disciple people in your church? Cause your church is going to be different to where I am and where other people yeah. are. What does it look like for you? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the challenges we've had is I just think, a culture of discipleship and by that I mean you know people regularly meeting in prayer triplets or for one-to-one bible studies or small groups outside of the more structured meetings of the church I, I, 
it, I don't think it's really been there in most people's experience in our church until maybe a bit more recently. We've tried to encourage those things more. Um, but it's it's longevity then. You know, you can then have people who meet up and pray together for years, which is great. Um, I mean, my, my wife meets with a couple of ladies and they pray every couple of weeks together and, and share together. And, and they've been doing that for... Oh, I don't know, it must be at least three of the five years we've been here, maybe longer than that, might be four years, um, which has been great. And I, and I just, I think they'll keep doing that for the foreseeable future. Do you know what I mean? I don't think there's going to be a time limit on that. Whereas sometimes you meet with somebody and you might say, right, let's meet together and study a book for, you know, the next however long, six months. And then actually you pass that on and they start doing that with somebody else. Um, so some of them can be a bit more short-lived. So it just depends on what maybe what you're investing in people for. Sometimes training leaders, we 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 did a bit of that so we could establish an eldership. And over the course of a year, did read various books and met together. And um, I guess that was part of our discipleship too, but just of specific people. Um, I think one of the challenges, particularly in our communities, and we haven't had a lot of this yet, but that's because we don't have a lot of most of the people in our church don't live on our estate. And so the, the outreach to the community is, is good, but a lot of it is um, with youth groups, kids who come in, toddler groups, mums and carers and stuff who bring their kids along. So the investment in people individually in the communities is probably a lot less than we'd maybe like it to be in the long term. But just um, people's lives are, they're very close-knit on council estates quite often or ex-council estates so for example there's there's a, a family who live near us and, and there's two brothers and um their mom and then one of their in-laws and they all live with it you could throw a stone between the four houses they all live really close together and so their life is is massively connected in community with their own family and so Actually, if you if somebody becomes a Christian and they need to start leaving some of that behind because it's really unhelpful, just they have to lose some of those connections because I don't know whatever whatever's been involved in it just means you know they can't be involved in anymore because they're a Christian and they want to keep that connection evangelistically. But they, you, you're actually saying them you know, now community wise, you need to be invested in the family of God. You've got to have more than just a Sunday morning service to get them to or a midweek meeting to get them to because. 24-7, their life has been a role revolving around their nuclear blood family. Mm. Uh, and so actually you need to be offered something and replacing that with something that is better. Um, and it, so it needs to be whole life discipleship, which comes back to what we were saying before. It needs to be something that is, you know, there's daily interactions there with people so that the connections are good and strong. Otherwise, all the talk of, you know, becoming a Christian means you're part of God's family and that's the, you know, the best family to be part of. On the surface, if you look at the two and say, well, we only meet once a week or twice a week, whereas I saw my family, you know, seven days a week for hours on end, it, they don't look like much of a comparison. Humanly speaking, they don't like yeah, yeah. look like much of a comparison, yeah. um, which I think is why you need to do things sporadically as well as planned. Yeah, well, that just sparked a thought in my head. I think that's a great picture, isn't it? You know, we are to be the family of God, you know, and, and I just wonder, you know, when you were talking about that, you know, here, here's a family scenario that's more appealing because people are more connected, more loving, more aware of what's going on in each other's lives. Um, and the danger is, is that we become like a member of a club that we turn up and yeah. we just kind of high in the corridor or you know, we do know some people more. Uh, yeah. I realise also being realistically, being realistic that, you know, the larger a church is, the harder that is in yeah. the gathering to do that. And that's, yeah. that's why we've kind of been encouraging home groups. And, you know, again, nothing's a one-stop all for everything, but you've just got to encourage, I guess, those connections where it's possible. And yeah. I think being realistic you know, and I know that a person cannot know, like, you know, 200 plus people in our church, you cannot know everybody really, really well. But no, but I think you could, you can know 10 or 12 people really well. Yeah. And if we're doing that, then we'll, I think we'll, you know, we're, we're doing better in terms of our yeah. growing to get to know each other. Um, yeah. But, but your, that, that image, I suppose one question I've got about that, as you were saying that is that, you know, if a person becomes a Christian, because initially I thought what you were going to say was, you know, we live in a really close-knit community and we've got families that live near each other. 
And if a person becomes a Christian, that's great because they can really influence their immediate community and their family. I thought that's what you were going to say initially. Now, maybe I don't understand the nuances of that enough. You can maybe explain that a bit more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, so that, that is the case. And you want people to be able to do that. But I guess there will be some situations where you might be involved in it in a, in that their family might be involved in some things that are not really very helpful to be involved in as Christians. You know what I mean? So you're actually asking them to withdraw from that yeah, yeah. because that environment is not going to be, you know, maybe they themselves have, have had some kind of drug addiction and they've become a Christian and therefore actually their friends and family, their, their community around them was probably involved in that too. And so yeah. if they're going to try and break free from that addiction and, and follow Christ, yeah. They're going to have to break free from that. So you're asking them to cut those ties. Yeah. But then, well, what do you replace that with? Because that was their life. Their life revolved around those people and 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 that culture. Um, now, obviously, you don't want them to cut it necessarily completely forever, because you know they they can be a great witness into that community. But there is a, there is a balance, and I, and I'm not saying we we haven't really had to experience this much, but you know, friends of mine in, in other churches have had to do that. And it's it's striking a fine balance. Sometimes it's helpful to say to them, look, you might need to move. You might be best off going to a church out of the area for a while because yeah. you can make that clean break and, and and get involved there and then potentially come back to your community later and be a witness to people in that way and they see your life changed. Um, it, it's a real, it is, yeah, it's a real balance, really, striking that balance between staying there and being a witness immediately and actually the need to, for there to be a bit of a break away from that. Um, and the guys who are great with this, and, and there's probably a lot of stuff about this kind of thing on their blogs, is the 20 Schemes guys out of uh, Nidri in Edinburgh and then across yeah. the rest of Scotland. They've got a few blog posts by people who've been converted in in their communities and churches who've you know said similar things to what I'm saying really I'm taking a lot of what I'm saying here from from stuff I've read and experienced chatting with those guys really um yeah, but yeah it's a huge it's a huge challenge because often like I say within schemes in Scotland and, and council estates or deprived communities in England there is still that sense that there would have been across the vast majority of England 50 years ago where everybody knows everybody yeah. and generations of families live round the corner from each other Whereas I think in the last 50 years, obviously, a lot of mining communities and steelwork communities and those kind of things have broken up because the, the, the industries went and people had to move elsewhere or because there's been upward mobility and, and probably more in more middle-class culture, people maybe go away to uni and then stay there or they move away from family for jobs. And so actually, you know, you, your mom and dad live in one town, you live 100 miles away somewhere else, your sister lives on the opposite side of the country and your grandparents live, you know, and so actually you, you spread across the four corners of, of, of Britain. Yeah. Whereas for these guys, they don't, they're spread across the four corners of a street. So <laughs> it's a very different kind <laughs> yeah. of, yeah, yeah, very different kind of setup. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah, no, totally that, that leads me to thinking about, but again, that's probably all of the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, well, it leads me to think about, you were talking about, um, we were talking offline, as it were, about people who come to know Jesus. And I came across a podcast that you were doing um, that was sort of geared towards new Christians, which I thought was interesting because I think when I look out there and I see, well, what is there for people who are new to knowing Jesus? Like how can they grow as a disciple initially? And I just want to caveat that with, I think a lot of the time, growing up when people spoke about discipleship courses it was all about people that were just newly um come to faith in jesus and yeah. the purpose of this podcast is largely we're talking about discipleship as a lifelong uh yeah. jesus but equally it's really important to have resources there for people who come to faith and how do we help them grow and you you you've got a podcast and you've got a, some chat about that. So let's just hear a little bit about that. What, what's your thinking on people that come to faith and how do we help them? Yeah. So we were thinking particularly about people who came to faith, maybe from the kind of communities we're working in. So the guy who I, I did it with, a guy called Dan James is, is about to plant a church in Ayers Monsell in, in uh, Leicester. Um, he's lived and worked there for a while. Um, and, and one of the things we were thinking about is, you know, for people who don't read a lot, because often we point people to good books to read. 
when they become Christians. But people who don't read a lot um, or just don't like reading, well, is there something they could listen to? And he asked a question online on Twitter, you know, is anybody know any good podcasts for, for kind of young disciples or new Christians? And basically there was just a deathly silence on Twitter and everybody was going, no, but you could do one. And so we we kind of came to this um, we came to this conclusion. It was actually a guy who'd spoken to me as well who'd said, look, is there anything I can listen to? I'm interested in finding out a bit more. And I was like, I, I, I don't know. I don't really listen to podcasts. Ironically, I barely ever listen to any podcasts. And then since lockdown, I've, 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 I've done one with this guy and then I've appeared on two other ones somehow. <laughs> so, um, but there you go. Um, so we just, we, we looked at what were the basics for somebody who comes to faith, particularly for people who might want to listen rather than read, or particularly for people who come to faith maybe in lockdown, but didn't, couldn't meet up with anybody, didn't have access to resources, those kinds of things. And so we, we just thought about things like finding a good church and what a good church looked like and how you might do that in lockdown. Yeah. Um, we thought about telling somebody you've become a Christian. You know, it's not always, it's, some people might have become Christians in isolation recently but uh often the first step of telling somebody you've become a christian is a good thing um we talked about reading the word regularly and praying regularly we talked about being discipled by somebody you know asking somebody in the church you go to look would you would you have you got the time to read with me to point me to some books to keep me you know accountable of what this looks like um we haven't gone on to these ones yet but we, we're going to think about serving what that looks like to get involved in serving in a local church. Again, at the minute, that's much harder because often yeah, know, yeah. services are being streamed. There's not there's not much happening during the week. Um, but yeah, we, we, we did it for, for that reason, really. Something that people could easily listen to and pick some things up that might be helpful yeah. um, when, when they might not read or they might not have access to a, a course or they couldn't go online to talk to somebody uh, about it. They, they might just be able to listen to something and... and, and gather some ideas from that so yes yeah, so it's called the what now podcast what uh, i think there's about five episodes online at the minute and we've got two or three yeah that we need to kind of get sorted and finish off but yeah that's right i know what it's like you get a bit of momentum with podcasts and then you can have a bit of a lull you be careful we don't have too big a lull yeah so get back on yeah. that get back on that track yeah. um no, it's. A, I mean, I, I've sort of listened to it, and it's it's helpful, certainly helpful to point people in that direction. And I think you know the age that we're in, we're praying that we'll see people come to know Jesus. Um, we're in utter times of uncertainty. Um, people are looking for hope. My prayer is is that people will come to know Jesus. I don't know how people don't turn to Jesus in a time like this when it's very yeah. clear that you know life is very fragile and um and we do need you know we do need resources to point people as you say not everyone's a reader not everyone's going to be you know devouring uh, theology books so we just need need that kind of um opportunity to point people to stuff that's different so that's great you're doing it uh, it's called what now and it's available probably on all, all the usual platforms is it yeah yeah, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know, yeah, you're not the PR the PR guy for this. <laughs> I'm definitely not the PR. No, definitely not. So you just Dan, rock up and credit, chat. All credit to all credit to Dan. He records it, edits it, and puts it on. <laughs> uh, that would I wouldn't have a clue where to start with that. So, <laughs> so you turn up and have a chat, basically. Yeah, yeah. get a cup of tea and yeah. have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, any thoughts on uh, just I suppose it's a bit of an unknown question but like you know where we are now as far as what god might be doing uh what you see locally in other churches in the uk you know what what are your thoughts on what we're facing now uh spiritually and what do you think where do you think church might be leading i mean how might that look different do you think yeah i mean there's a lot of things i've, I've you know, listen to a few different people talking about that kind of stuff or seeing people posting thoughts on it. And it's a really difficult one, I guess. I, I, you know, God could be well, could well be kind of refining the church, you know, as, you know, as we go through these trials, God often, you know, draws people close to him. He, he often, um, you know, makes us see our need of him more than maybe we realised. So shakes us out of our comfort zones and and, and makes us, you know, more wholly throw ourselves on his mercy. So there might be some of that in there. I think it's there's a, an opportunity to 
search our hearts really to 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 see where we might need to repent and change both as individuals and as churches um and i think it, there's a, that's always a good thing to do jimmy but particularly in times of kind of crisis when you suddenly think right well what's going on here there's often a good time to ask that kind of question um it, it may be that just actually you know i think one of the challenges we're going to have is i wonder how many people will be comfortable with and this has always been a phrase in the past, but it's more literal now, armchair Christianity, you know, just actually sitting in their armchair, watching a service on YouTube, and that being it, that being their kind of intake, they consume that and they're done for the week. Um, I wonder whether there might be a an increase in that, which will then be very hard to, to do what we've been talking about, that discipleship thing. If people get comfortable with just watching YouTube, then discipleship, in terms of the kind of thing we've been thinking about, is just going to get, push to the wayside so there's real dangers in that um i guess as well yeah just a huge a huge challenge really it's i guess looking and trusting that in in everything that's changed in the last year mm. uh, and maybe lots of things we probably would have placed our hope and security and have been kind of pulled from under our feet uh, for the church really there's the reminder that god is unchanging uh, and as much as everything else might have changed he hasn't and so there is a firm foundation there we can trust Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can trust and know a God who is good and kind and gracious. Even if we don't know why something is happening, he has good plans and purposes in that. And that that has to be really the anchor for Christians. I think without that, like you said earlier, in a time like this, how how do you survive it without Jesus? And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you do it without Jesus. Yeah. I think with Not Jesus, there's a wonderful right, anchor there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do know yeah. Jesus, but... Yeah, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that's that's been really helpful to hear um those thoughts. And it was great to catch up. And you know, you see, yeah. don't despair. There might be some people listening to your podcast and my podcast. And you know, we never know. That's that's one <laughs> I tell you, that is one of the benefits of the online is that we just don't know who might be reached. Yeah by and one of the purposes of what i guess you're doing with your podcasts and what we're doing is just to bless people encourage people if people have yeah. been encouraged and inspired then that's a great thing so yeah this is so thanks so much for joining us today and uh, as we wrap up before i press the uh, stop record button just to let people know that they can comment on this episode on our facebook page the little breakfast facebook page We've also got a Twitter page. It hasn't been shut down yet, thankfully. And uh, we've, <laughs> we've um, have we got anything else? I think we've got an Instagram as well, all the usual cool. places. And um, if you've been enjoying this podcast, you've got questions, you've got comments about some of what Matt said or I've said, then please um, message us. Um, that's one of the things that we would love to encourage more, especially in, in lockdown, is a bit of interaction online. That would be really helpful. Yeah to hear what yeah. people's questions are or even if they've got good resources as well that'd be really helpful okay thanks so much matt for joining us thanks for taking the time thanks clive it's been a pleasure juggling schooling and pastoring <laughs> and all those yeah other yeah okay cheers mm-hmm.